0: The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News.
1: Hello and welcome to The Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Rob Cox, editor of Reuters Breaking Views. Well, Americans are once again mourning victims of gun violence. It's been a little over a week since 49 people were slaughtered in an Orlando nightclub by a 29-year-old madman wielding an AR-15 and a semi-automatic pistol, both of which he bought legally. So right on cue, the U.S. Senate has struck down four competing bills designed in some way to reduce gun violence and keep people like the gunmen in Orlando from buying weapons. These included a proposal to keep people on terrorist watch lists from legally purchasing firearms. Sounds sensible. In any event, to discuss this sad business and seemingly maddening failure of the U.S. Senate to act, I asked James Burnett, editor of The Trace, to swing by the Times Square studio here at Reuters. The Trace calls itself an independent, non-profit media organization, dedicated to expanding coverage of guns in the United States. It has what it calls an upfront bias, which is that this country's rates of firearm-related deaths and injuries, an average of 91 lives lost a day, and more than 200 people suffering non-fatal bullet wounds, are far too high. Hard to disagree with that. So listen up as James and I chew over the recent legislative responses to the latest mass shooting in Orlando and the role guns generally will play in the upcoming presidential election. All right, James, thanks for coming by. Thank Appreciate you for it. having me. So... Uh... Is it just me, or is this like Groundhog Day all over again? I mean, we get we have a horrific mass shooting, everyone freaks out. Polls show Americans want to strengthen gun laws. Uh, Congress sort of acts, a bill hits the floor in this case four, but nothing happens. Republicans crush it, and we're sort of left with with nothing again.
0: Uh, That is certainly one way to read yesterday's votes in the Senate, um, where four gun bills came up, two from each party, and none of them received the 60 votes
1: needed to move forward. And they were all down party lines. They
0: were all down party lines. And, And look, it is not news to say that our politics in general, that the Senate and the House are very polarized, that voters are very polarized across the country. And on this issue in particular, that polarization empirically maybe greater we've looked at polling numbers that say that if you look at hot-button issues uh, gay marriage immigration it's actually guns on which self-identified Republican conservative voters have moved farthest to the right that there is actually a leftward drift on immigration um, and marriage Um, those are certainly very polarizing issues within the you know the presidential campaign and state politics too but that polarization seems strongest on guns There was a bipartisan bill put forward, obviously, after Sandy Hook, the Mm Manchin Toomey bill, that would have expanded background checks to private sales and internet sales. But if you wanted a private transfer, if you lived in a rural part of the country where it was hard to um, get to the gun store that would need to run the background check, there was an accommodation for that. Yesterday, of the four bills, the one that was a background check bill went further than Manchin Toomey. And so. Senators Manchin and Toomey did
1: not vote uh, for the bill. This and is the one. Was this Feinstein? This was the
0: Murphy. This was oh, the, the Murphy, Murphy bill, Schumer right. yeah. uh, and Booker was another sponsor yeah. on it. Um, it was a universal background check bill that went down. I think that actually drew the fewest votes of the four right. that went up yesterday. And uh, so on the federal level, um, yeah, the two parties are at loggerheads.
1: But but if you look at these polls, and many of which maybe you guys have said it, but show the majority of Americans seem to be in favor of some sort of tightening up of gun regulations in the country. I mean, that seems to be by a pretty wide margin. So why is that not reflected in the the sort of politics in the Senate?
0: The polls do show broad support. I think the, the, you know, different polling organizations are out surveying on this all the time. But you'll see numbers in the 80s and even low 90s um, for uh, extending background checks to all gun transfers. Um, the terror closing the terror gap um, is polling again. I think in the 80s.
1: Who, who are the 20 percent who
0: don't? <laughs> we actually are working on a piece on that right now, um, and and so far we actually haven't pinpointed. It's difficult because the sample sizes are small to select, right. to actually pinpoint that. Um,
1: but there are certainly people. Who, Th- it's probably just a slippery slope argument, not actually. I think
0: I it's, it's a slippery slope it. argument. That's yeah. exactly right. If you in, it's one of those things that in. In theory, people are in favor of universal background checks, but if universal background checks are depicted as potentially leading to a gun registry where the government would have, it's this is not the case. But if that is the fear, um, so that,
1: so the registry isn't like you know what I have with my car.
0: Yeah. So that if you if you know if you if you own a gun and your name is on a list somewhere, then the government has the means to come and take your gun. That is a you know a fear that is out there among some gun owners. Um, it is not, um, backed up by the facts as, as we know them, but, right. um, that does drive the debate a little bit. In that. So,
1: but isn't it different? I mean, isn't it di- a little bit different this time you have the Orlando and, and actually arguably San Bernardino was the same case in December where you have a clear demonstration that, that our gun laws are being exploited by people who would do harm to Americans under the sort of rubric of Islamic Terrorism, Right. So both the shooter in Orlando uh, and the, the husband and wife couple in San Bernardino basically pledged their allegiance to uh, Islamic State uh, in in killing people. Is there not? Isn't this sort of like one of those moments you go, ah, a little bit like what happened after 9-11. You say, hey, our lax TSA laws allowed people to get on planes with these. things. We're going to fix that. You can't get on the plane with a box cutter anymore. Right. I mean, wouldn't you think this kind of changes the the, the argument a little bit in the in from a public policy perspective?
0: Yes. In as much as I mean, so there are two different votes come up yesterday in the Senate for the terror gap and combined, they receive over over 100 votes Um, more than there are senators. Um, partly because Kelly Ayotte in New Hampshire votes for both, um, but there's enough party switching. Um,
1: she voted out. against Manchin to me, of course, and so she now she's up for election. And
0: she's up for re-election. Um, and um, there are groups running ads against her for that vote. She says, "Well, I voted for another bill that would have expanded the mental health records in the system and done some other things, um, but that's not. But it would have left the private hill and internet right. loophole open. And so, yes, yeah, some some gun violence prevention groups are hitting her for that vote." Um, She has signed on to this compromise plan on the terror gap that Senator Collins of Maine has put forward Mm -hmm. um, that tries to find a middle ground here. Um, But, you know, I think one of the things that's happened, um, to go back to your question, like what's going on, is that now both parties see potential political advantage in the gun issue. And that's different. So Democrats being on the offense on the gun issue is new. But what that means is, do you want to compromise with the other side and take the issue off the table? Or do you want to leave vulnerable senators to defend their past votes rather than claim? I mean, Kelly Ayotte is a perfect example, right. right? She votes against universal background checks. So if you are a pro-gun safety person, you can hit her on that. Um, but she was sponsoring a terror gap compromise that if that passes, she can say, look, I got the job done. Right. When we couldn't come together. And if you're Democrats, do you want to give her that? Or do you want to you want it? to have
1: her on the back foot? I mean, yeah. so is there any chance that the Senate can do anything? realistically before the presidential election and and a corollary to that would the house even consider taking it up
0: well the house is obviously another matter and and i'm paraphrasing uh speaker ryan here but his comments over the weekend were hey we're going to take our time we're going to go slower we're, let's not rush into anything uh on the senate side the best prospect um or the, i should say the most likely prospect seems to be at the moment, this plan put forward by, by Senator Collins, its distinction from the Feinstein plan, that was the Democrats' plan for closing the terror gap, is it uses a smaller list of people. So Feinstein had drawn from people who had been priv- previously under investigation, broadly referred to as on the terror watch list, which is a big consolidated list. Collins says if you're on the no-fly list or what's called the selectee list, or if you've been flagged for additional screening before you get on the plane, um, then you can't buy a gun. And it's interesting because, again, to get back to the politics, people have been proponents of the Feinstein plan had said no fly, no buy. It was like the hashtag, right? Right, right, right. Can't fly, no buying a gun. Collins basically drafts a plan that fits the talking point of proponents of Feinstein's proposal, which has been unsuccessful twice now. Um, On the other side, Collins says that the Cornyn plan, which is the Republican plan, um, doesn't it, it's the one that's endorsed by the NRA? The one yeah. endorsed by the NRA. So that so you know when the NRA gets behind something, it can mean it passes. But the details there, you have the government has three days to pull the suspected terrorist into court, allow them to challenge their gun ban, and you know opponents of the court plan say that's uh, a very high burden. Basically, the government has to prove you are likely to commit terrorism. And the argument is if the, if the government thinks you're likely to commit terrorism, they're trying to mm-hmm. maybe apprehend you. Yeah. Not where I mean, they would block the gun sale, but you know, on top of that, there's bigger concerns at the moment. Um, so the uh, this Collins plan tries to split the difference, it allows for, um, at least in the past, and she's unveiling it today, so the details may change. But as the details have emerged, if you are barred from buying a gun and you are not actually a suspected or you know, potential terrorist, if you're not a terrorist plotter. Um, and you can prove that you will have your attorney's fees paid. Um, and so they're trying to sort of cover the due process considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we just put up a piece on the trace uh, this morning that Democrats, some Democrats are saying that the list that Collins draws from is too narrow. Republicans have already said that the Collins plan doesn't go far enough in protecting due process. So, you know, it needs to pick up. um It's a Republican plan. It needs to pick up some Democratic sponsors. Democratic leadership would need to urge it along, and the Republican leadership would have to obviously let it come up for a vote. And we don't know that any of those things are going to happen.
1: We'll see. I mean, one of the things I saw that uh, Senator Bill Nelson, Democrat of Florida, asked after the votes yesterday, what am I going to tell 49 grieving families? I'm going to tell them the NRA won again. Is that a fair summation of what happened?
0: In as much as the NRA opposed the Feinstein plan, and the Feinstein plan didn't pass. Um, You know, the NRA has said that they don't support guns for terrorists, but boy, is the devil in the details. Um, And so how do you set up a bill that satisfies both sides? And it is pretty remarkable that here we are, you know, there have been, uh, in the sort of history of uh, legislative responses to terrorism, counterterrorism efforts, and this is not to say that these are good things, but, right, we have had, Warrantless wiretapping with a lot of things have happened um, in order for the counterterrorism agencies of the United States government to do what they feel like. they you know, do. You know there are lots, lots of, rights of
1: rights have been there. trampled. Lots on. of
0: rights have been at least right. There's, like there's no question. And without a whole lot of conversation. Bent, bent, if not broken. And and in this case, we have a situation where the where individual rights to guns as set down by the, the Heller decision, of the Supreme Court, um, you know, have made it very difficult to move forward um, on this one particular uh, terror risk. Um, really? And, you know, we've seen guns are the, are if you're talking about successful terror attacks, um, guns have been used in the vast majority. Guns have been uh, the lethal agent uh, in the vast majority of terrorism deaths in the United States since yeah. 9-11. Um, yeah. We've regulated fertilizer and other constituent Ingredients in, in explosives, for example, and it's it takes it's hard.
1: But there's no there's no amendment talking about right. phosphate.
0: Guns are, are available uh, both in the legal and secondary market. So if you you know you can go into a gun store and buy one if you are not a prohibited purchaser, and if you are, you could go to a gun show or over the internet um, and um, you know with some training um, use it. Pretty effectively.
1: Well, I mean, you sort of mentioned the Heller decision that sort of came up again yesterday, too, yeah. or this week, you know, because you've had, I think, the, the Supreme Court declined to hear arguments challenging the constitutionality of the Connecticut and New York state uh, laws that that do indeed uh, ban the, the sale of assault weapons. Um, what is what? Well, how do you read that? What does that tell us about the sort of wider debate?
0: So time and again, since Heller, courts have upheld the right of states to regulate guns so it's to say that the right is not unlimited and that's part of what Scalia says in his decision in Heller um, and that's part of what
1: courts that states have the right to regulate the individual right to bear arms.
0: that's right it's that there is a right but it is not unlimited it does not extend to every kind of gun in every sort of place by every sort of person Um, and so that's what you see and that's you know and it's interesting that that's a assault, we- those are assault weapons bans that the court decides on, yes, or decides not to hear basically, says they can, you know, we're not taking this case. Um, and we do see coming out of Orlando um, renewed interest and renewed calls including from the president and vice president of the United States to um, reinstitute um, or to take another look at a federal assault weapons ban, which um, as a matter of politics and policy is, is a hugely complicated thing but the courts have said, you know, if states want to do this, we're, we're cool with it.
1: Right, which is so So you could see more states do that.
0: You could. Um, you know, the, the assault weapons... Problem is you can still cross the border. Right. You can go and buy one um, across the border, um, you know, in, in the next state over. Um, that's an issue we see with handguns. Uh, the assault weapons ban, there is a strong emotional appeal to it, I think, particularly at a moment like this. If you are someone who favors tougher gun laws, you know... It's the old assault weapons ban's role in reducing gun violence was unclear. Um, And we have, the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of gun violence um, is committed with uh, handguns. Um, And that the bigger issue and something we're looking at, the trace, um, maybe magazine size, that's a controversial, those policies are controversial as well. But the number of guns that you can, rather, sorry, the number of rounds you can fire before you reload might correlate more directly to the outcome of a, of a shooting than, right. than whether it is an assault weapon
1: or... So the capacity of the magazine. The
0: capacity of the magazine might might matter more.
1: Yeah. Sort of also in, the, in this topic, we had uh, a court in Bridgeport, Connecticut yesterday heard arguments um, uh, from the maker of the Bushmaster, AR-15, that was used to, to, at Sandy Hook to kill That's 20 right. kids and six educators. They, they made a motion, Bushmaster, well, Remington, to dismiss a lawsuit accusing the company of, I guess, negligent entrustment, which they say is a loop, which is, w- w- though they enjoy incredible shield protection under the, the protection of, com- what is it, the lawful...
0: Protection steal. of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, PLACA. <laughs> the right.
1: PLACA you know, rule. Um, this seem, they seem to, the, the lawyers seem to... Th- think they have an argument here that um, that Bushmaster sort of in some way knowingly knew that it's its weapons would be used for some purpose other than um, I don't know hunting and shooting cans or something like that and actually killing people um, I mean how do you guys see that this sort of the idea of like you know civil lawsuits like this taking changing the way uh, gun makers operate
0: well that shield law that you describe um, does make it difficult to use the courts as a Means of redress by those who feel they were harmed in some way or another by guns, whether that's a local government, whether that's families um, of the victims of mass shooter of a mass shooting. This case, this Bridgeport, this rather the Bushmaster case um, up in Connecticut, uh, has gone farther than people thought it would. You know, the question of whether I'm I'm not enough of a legal expert to predict whether it'll go forward. I know that you know the folks we talked to are are skeptical that it'll make it all the way to trial but what is interesting is the judge has said hey let's go ahead and have discovery start here and that's been the key thing the plaintiffs in that case and those who have looked to use the court to um, seek reforms on this issue have wanted to know what the gun companies know and discover there have been motions for discovery the defendants had blocked and delayed and so that's the key question when you come back to negligent entrustment is did the company seem to know or address its marketing efforts in some way where this you know that would give evidence in favor of this negligent entrustment claim basically can they you know can they will they find something that buttresses their argument Um, and that's what remains to be seen
1: so so let me just before we go let me talk to me about the trace your mission is to address that information deficit through daily reporting, investigations, analysis, and commentary on the policy, politics, culture, and business of guns in America. I mean, that deficit you're talking about is, what is that? Um, well, it
0: is a, so a mass, mass shooting. So we'll start with that. Um, we're I'm here, and we're talking about the issue again, I, I, you and I and the country, because a uh, mass shooting took place in Orlando, the worst in modern American history. And it is a very serious event and it is deserving of all the attention it receives. However, mass shootings are responsible for fewer than 2% of all gun deaths, um, of all gun homicides, I believe it is. Um, and then there's suicides on top of that. And so, you know, the trace uh, is trying to use journalism to explore the issue and keep it in the conversation, frankly, in the times between these dramatic right. national, even international events. Again, coming back to the fact that mass shootings make up a small portion of the total. But gun
1: violence is a daily occurrence. It's, it's a daily occurrence.
0: And, and, you know, go to the information deficit. There was a poll done um, last year, and, the, and, the, and it was an open-ended question, so this can affect the results. But they say, how many people killed by guns per year? And the median response is 5,000. How many gun? Right. De- how many gun deaths? 5,000. And we know the answer is over 30,000. Right. And so that deficit right there... So this, there's just an awareness deficit. Then we get to causes and potential interventions and what policies actually might work best. Bringing it full circle here, universal background checks get voted down yesterday. They, they enjoy a high level of support, but not a lot of confidence in their efficacy. W- when attempts have been made to study it, the size of the loophole sort of muddies the data. They think We can't tell because so many people can get guns another way. We can't tell whether the background checks are actually working. That's one problem. The CDC doesn't fund research. It's not a flat-out ban. It's been interpreted as that, but it's some yeah. restrictions on how they can...
1: And research. that was a sort of NRA, a successful NRA drive in the legislative process years ago.
0: They're right, that's thing. right. There was a study that the NRA felt went too far. They got a rider put in that says no dollars to advocate gun control. It doesn't actually say no research whatsoever, um, and, and the congressman who wrote that amendment now says man this was a mistake i didn't actually intend to ban research this is dickey outright he says look at how the progress we've made on automotive safety because we're able to study it um and you know an interesting development in the senate that hasn't gotten enough attention is that senator tom carper of delaware says to the cdc hey you can research more than you are i know i know i know he's like i know i know i know um there are these limits and i know that money has been requested specifically for gun violence research and you're not getting the money but you have money move it around you know do something and i think that's actually of all the sort of back and forth that's been a that's been a talking point that for those opposed to the nra has been invaluable and the nra won't let the cdc Study gun violence, and it's a, it's mostly true, right? There's restrictions on what. Well, the, the CDC, CDC ultimately means. can make. The CDC has some latitude, right? It can do so more. They, than but they it need some is. cover than from
1: senators. They need Harper. some
0: senator f- from cover. For, but yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a thing where it feels like the politics maybe are being right. set aside a little bit to say, hey, you know, you know, you can do more. Just go do more. Right, right. Yeah. And it would be better to to say to to kind of let this ban be the reason we're not doing more. But let's just set that aside and ask what you can do.
1: So now you guys are funded by Everytown for Gun Safety. Uh, that they are. Uh, that's Mike Bloomberg's organization. How do you balance the, the this argument that you might be biased in some way? I mean, how do you do that as a journalist in, in your reporting? What do you, what you know? What standards do you approach that with? So
0: it's true. We do rec- we did receive our seed funding um, and a sizable grant this year from from Everytown, um, which itself actually draws from. I think it's uh, more than a hundred thousand individual donors at this point. Um, we also have secondary uh, supporters at this point, and are actively writing grants and seeking additional uh, sources of financial support. Um, but yes, the the seed funding comes from every town. But
1: so does that mean they you guys go out of your yeah, way to try to sort of take a very objective approach to this, or? I mean, how do you
0: so we say in our mission statement that we believe the current levels of gun violence are too high, that the number of people killed and injured by guns, um, whether that's homicide, suicide, uh, an injury, you survive, but are forever changed by. It's all too high. And we feel comfortable saying that these levels, (laughs) which are, you know, out of line with. It would be hard to take the other position on that. It's not high enough just to throw it like 90 percent of the women killed by guns in high income countries are. Are killed in the U.S., so the U.S. makes up ninety percent of female gun deaths in, in high-income countries. That doesn't seem like where it should be. Um, but beyond that, we're reporting out the you know the questions of um, what's driving uh, those those rates, how might they be reduced, and I think that the single subject um, nonprofit news startups, of which we are one are pretty the same in that. You don't start one of these things if you think the status quo is okay. And so, you know, sites that cover criminal justice, climate change, it's the same thing. They think that some change needs to happen. Um, But then they use journalism to figure out, you know, the pros and cons of the different approaches um, and to, um, as journalism can do, hold people accountable on both sides of the issue. Um, And so um, we are 100% editorially, editorially independent Um, And one thing that we have found, um, you know, as a single subject site, I do think you want you go in saying, will there be enough to cover, frankly, to sustain us in a way that you feel like you can keep people paying attention? And the truth is, in our issue, there's been um, more than we can handle. Well,
1: sadly, I'm, I'm afraid that's the truth. Well, thank you for coming by Times Square. James, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with another Exchange podcast soon. In the meantime, we hope you'll subscribe to the Exchange and other Reuters podcasts on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please let us know by reviewing the Exchange on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Breaking Views, or me, at Rob Cox. Adios and thank you.